I'm Pepe Fernandez, the head men's and women's soccer coach at Maryville College, and you're listening to the Knox Soccer Podcast. All right, it's Brian Canever here with the Knox Soccer Podcast, and I am currently at the Cooper Athletic Center at Maryville College, sitting down with the Maryville College men's and women's head soccer coach, Pepe Fernandez, and it's a little bit of deja vu for me because many years ago, I was actually a stringer for the Daily Times of Maryville, and I would come and cover Maryville College men's and women's soccer games. Um, as some of you may know, years ago I wrote a story about the history of soccer and soccer culture in Knoxville, and I actually sat with Pepe and had a great conversation about his 30- to 40-year engagement with the game throughout the region. Uh, many of you may not know him, but we're going we're gonna to fix that today. Uh, you're going to have a better idea of who he is. When I first met you, Pepe, uh, I, I saw your name. I saw you were associated with soccer in East Tennessee, and I, I just thought, Pepe Fernandez, here's a Spanish-European coach, you know, coaching soccer. Usually we're used to British coaches, but, you know, here we got a Spaniard. And then I talked to you for the first time, and it was quite a surprise. So can, can you tell me, do, was I the only one to get confused about how to say your name, or do people meet you and, and think, who is this guy? You, you know, I, I get it all the time. Um, you know, my history is that my dad's from Spain. My mom's family is from Kentucky. <laughs> and I grew up in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, so uh, most people expect, you know, a South American or a Mexican or maybe even a Spanish, you know, speaking person. But, but no, I grew up in Middle Tennessee. And my dad was a little different at the time. He was like, I live in the United States now. We're only going to speak English in the house. So I have... I, I don't speak Spanish at all. I know I know a few words, but but yeah, I get that all the time, and it's kind of fun. I, I think it's 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 a little unique, so it makes people remember me, helps me in the recruiting process, and again, just really now I consider myself even more an East Tennessean than a Middle Tennessee person. And did your dad come to the states to play soccer, or did he play soccer once he got here? You know, he he was a typical you know um, European. I mean, he played all the way through growing up, but his. He was um, an, an engineer by trade, and he came here to Armco Steel, which was in Middletown, Ohio, and my mom's family had just moved there from Kentucky. She was working in a movie theater, and he was going to the movie theater today, every day trying to, uh, to learn English while he was, he was here for a, an internship and um, started talking to her. A year later, she was on a plane for the first time in her life flying to Spain to get married, and when they, they stayed in Ohio for a little bit, and he played with Edelweiss Soccer Club, which was all Italians. And I always tell her, but my dad could speak six languages. I'm lucky with being my mom being from Kentucky, my dad from Spain, that I speak one language well, and, and, and it, 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 it's sometimes very difficult for me to even speak English well. But he was very instrumental in Middle Tennessee with several things. He coached the National Internationals, which was an unbelievable experience for me. So, you know, you had a lot of Vanderbilt, and Nashville, of course, was, was starting to boom even when I was a kid. A lot of Vanderbilt students, a lot of Belmont students, and a lot of international influence in Nashville, and it was the old Dixie Amateur Soccer League, men's league. So I played in that. My dad started – he was still playing and started me playing, and then he started coaching, started me playing that league when I was 14 years old. So I was playing with all these – Unbelievable international players, these guys from Thailand, guys from – I played with the captain of the Nigerian national team, Godwin Atubwe, who was this, just these amazing players that I was around my whole career of playing that, that a lot of people didn't have the experience to play and getting to play in a men's league as a 14-year-old. So so great at soccer experience and, and, and a lot of that because of my dad. My dad was instrumental in starting 
uh, you know, some of the youth soccer in Franklin, the Williamson County Soccer League, him with and Fred Eckhart and several other people, the the the, the fields there in Franklin, the front fields. If anybody goes to the Franklin so Soccer Complex, are named after my dad. So uh, uh, I, I come from a really good uh, soccer heritage and tradition. Your father being from Spain, did you grow up with La Liga in the house or, or Barcelona, or Real Madrid, or Atletico Madrid, Madrid flags in the, in the house? What was the, the culture of soccer at home? The, the Fernandez family, even in Spain, and, and I, we're a house divide. My dad's a Real Madrid fan, and of course, we're both Spain fans. I, I love Barcelona. He, he, he never liked that. But he's, his sisters, a couple of his sisters are Barcelona. He's Real Madrid. He's got nephews and nieces. So, so that's always an interesting dynamic. In Spain, you have your, your local team, but then you support one of the two big teams too, or Atletico. So, uh, yeah, and, but, but, you know, really growing up and watching, and, and, and this is a story I tell all the time, the, the, the 78 World Cup in Argentina – um, was one of my first memories of, of, of watching it, and it was not on TV in the United States. So what we did, me, my dad, my high school coach, several of the guys from the International Internationals, we drove to Cincinnati, uh, I guess, three weekends in a row to watch um, the World Cup on closed-circuit TV at a theater in downtown Cincinnati. So we made the six-hour trip up there. Uh, stayed at my grandmother's house, and all these guys we'd go and watch with a bunch of other international guys. Watch the World Cup. It's the only way to watch it, and we'd watch two games a day, Saturday and Sunday, and uh, it was an unbelievable experience. You know that my dad one spent that time to get us up there to watch it, but two that was the only way to watch it. The finals were on TV, so we did get to watch the final game at home, but that was the only soccer on TV at the time. And then there was an old show called Soccer Made in Germany, which it came on every Sunday, and we would have tons of kids come over our house to come over and watch soccer made in Germany. And it was a one-hour, kind of a one-hour condensed version of one of the games that were played on Saturday. So we got to be German soccer fans then too. But, and of course, now, you know, with being able to watch every single game um, of the World Cup and the Olympics and, you know, MLS on TV and all the access to it is something that's, that, that's really been, been great for us. Was your dad happy this weekend? He, he would have been. You know, I'm, I'm sure he was watching this weekend. You know, he, he passed away, uh, I guess it's going about four years ago now, and uh, coached well into his 70s. He was watching Real Madrid somewhere with some Spanish ham and a jug of wine and cheering them on and laughing at me because they beat Liverpool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So, it's actually, the 78 Olympic Golden – or the 78 World Cup Golden Boot, Mario Kempes, uh, actually played for the club that I support in Argentina, Rosario Central. And my grandfather watched him for many years. My grandfather's 84 now and would always tell me these stories of Kempis. In 2014, I actually got to intern at ESPN for the World Cup in Brazil. And I got to meet Mario, who was working as a commentator. And I can't tell you, I think the most likes that I've ever gotten on a Facebook post ever from my family members or the most understanding that they have of what I do as a profession was when I put up a picture of me and Mario Kempis. And they were like, oh, the 78 Golden Boot, <laughs> our <laughs> hero. Love it. Um, all right, so, uh, Pepe, you, you played the game for a long time, born in Franklin, played at Father Ryan High School, mm -hmm. then played at Tennessee Wesleyan. Uh, can you talk me through your time playing the game prior to getting involved in coaching in, in 85? Yeah, again, I was really lucky that I got to play in the Dixie Amateur Soccer League. Father Ryan, I played for one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet, Randy Johnson. He was the head coach at Vanderbilt at the same time. He was teaching and coaching at Father Ryan. So he coached soccer at, Van at Father Ryan, soccer at Vanderbilt, and taught math at Father Ryan. 
Uh, so just a great man who loved soccer and learned a lot from him. My club coach was, was my dad, and, and he got into do it because he loved soccer and wanted to coach kids, and he wasn't a coach by profession, but wound up coaching for years and never took any money for it. Uh, would not let any – when they started playing club coaches, wouldn't take any money for it. He still mowed the soccer fields in Franklin, wouldn't take any money for it, and, and loved what he did. Um, I went to Tennessee Wesleyan. You know, was recruited by several places, uh, but Tennessee Wesleyan had an outstanding program. They, they had a, a kid, Chris Catania, who had just gone pro and was playing for the Atlanta Chiefs in the old NASL and was very excited about it and played for another great coach, uh, Arthur Goon, who's – Coached all over the place and um, uh, played at Wesleyan, and you know just just had a fantastic time playing there. Me and my roommate were the first Tennessee players to play there. They were all Jersey kids, so you had all the Jersey kids coming south then. And I, I tell everybody those Jersey kids, they might as well have been from Mars when you, when you, when the Tennessee guys met them. You know, they're these kids that that, that were all from Willenboro and Carteret. Still, I still stay in touch with them, and our coach was from Jersey. So at that time, Maryville College, all the Southern schools had a huge influx of, of Jersey kids, and they were fabulous soccer players. So, so I got to play with some great college players. We had a couple kids from Atlanta who were, were all Americans there. You know, it was a very even then, other than Tennessee Wesleyan, Covenant, and some of the local colleges, even then the NAI was heavily international. So we'd run into uh, Alabama Birmingham. Uh, you know, I got to play against the national championships one, championship team one year. When Alabama and A and M, they were at that time Division One, and you know we played in the year they won the national championship when I was a freshman, and they were the most phenomenal team I've ever seen. All Nigerian national team players, and uh, so so a great soccer experience. And I knew I wanted to get into coaching. I stayed for my fifth year at Wesleyan and helped Brad Smith, who just took over the program. Moved on to UTC. My head coach from Wesleyan got hired at UTC to coach the men there and went and worked for him for about nine months. We had had recruited high school All-Americans. We were set up for an unbelievable year. And uh, they called the coaches in one room and baseball players in one room, soccer players in one room, and wrestling team in one room and told us they were dropping all three programs uh, because they had to meet gender equity needs and Title IX needs and uh, – uh, as much as I love Title IX, it, it was a tough time. It was tough on the kids, tough on the coaches. Very, very difficult, but uh, but but wound up being good for me. I, I stayed on and coached at Hickson at Notre Dame after that. I'm going to take some credit for the New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey originally, Bayonne, New Jersey. What, what part of Jersey? 201, Bayonne, New Jersey. So you, you got to. I was getting ready to say you got to give what exit you're off of. All yeah. those Jersey boys. 14A, 14A. Uh, th- th- this is the con- the conversation the Jersey boys say. I'm from Jersey. You from Jersey? I'm from Jersey. What exit? And yeah. then they give you the exit, and then it was yeah. usually downhill from them for the Jersey guys. Yeah, me, Hemant Sharma, who so, I know you've coached with in the past, who's involved with the Lady Hemant is the most interesting – my wife calls him the most interesting man in the world. He should be on the beer commercial instead of the guy that's on there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, first time I met Hemant, actually, uh, I was covering uh, Lady Ball soccer. I was at a practice getting ready to interview one of the players. Uh, I think it was Megan Erskine. And he's seated with his back to me, looking at the field, the practice field. And he just turns around and says – he actually, he doesn't turn around. He just says – where are you from? I go, me? He says, yeah, where are you from? And I go, oh, I'm from New Jersey. He says, well, that's obvious, but where are you from? And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm from 
you know, bail in 14 days. He's like, oh, I'm from Short Hills. And, <laughs> you know, that was more than a decade ago now, and, and now we're fast friends. Um, you, you mentioned you, you know, you played at a very, very high level. I know Mark McKeever over at One Knoxville. He was a striker. He was a number nine back in his day. What, what position did you play, Pepe? Yeah, you know, I played, I played all up front and played the attack and mid a lot. I, I preferred the attack and mid. Uh, I heard this quote while I was in Spain. I took a group of kids to Spain. Uh, I asked the guy that was training the, the young kids that we were dealing with. I said, what position do you do you play? He goes, in the heart of every Spaniard beats a midfielder. But I play defense. <laughs> I thought it was one of the best quotes I've That's had. So, so I think I got a little bit of that in there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and did you model yourself off anybody back in your playing days? You know, I, I, you'll like this. Diego Mardonio was my – he was my idol then. I really loved Kevin Keegan. You know, they were both shorter, and I had the – so I tried to grow the hair out and had the big fro like both of them. And, and loved both of them. But I love – you know, Diego was, you know, was a legend when I was growing up. And then um, – Loved Argentina soccer, and really back in the day, I loved Keegan. The reason I'm a Liverpool fan now is because Coach Baker, who's been with me for years, is a Liverpool fan. He turned us—he's turned a lot of people into Liverpool fans. Oh man, that hurts my heart. Sorry, uh, never. It's fun to be a Liverpool fan, oh, and it's and it's miserable to be an Evertonian. <laughs> uh, I think one of my favorite quotes is Roger Bennett, who does a Men in Blazers podcast, and is an, is an Evertonian. He said that his son uh, once looked at him in the eye, and he said. Dad, thank you for making me an Evertonian. It allows me to have sympathy with anybody who's suffering anywhere in the world. But but back to, back to your coaching. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, UTC, then you moved on to Hickson and later Notre Dame High School in Chattanooga. Then in 89, the year of my birth, mm-hmm. uh, you moved up here to Maryville to coach at Maryville College. Uh, you've been with the men's and women's programs here for going on 33 years now. Uh, what was it about Maryville that that brought you a couple of hours north to to settle in here, right right in the shadow of the Smoky Mountains? You know, it, it was interesting. Uh, we, we we liked the area. We'd been up here before, uh, and we said, well, "Well, let's go to Maryville. We'll spend two to three years." I wanted to get into college coaching. Uh, I realized I did not want to be in the classroom all day long and then trying to coach. The, my, my true love was coaching. And we'll go there. We'll stay two or three years at a small school. And, uh, you know, and then, then hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll move up the coaching ladder and I'll be at a big school someday. And But we've fallen in love with the campus, fallen in love with the area, the people, the type of kids that we have at Maryville. I mean, over the years, it's unbelievable the high quality of kid we have. And then the quality of living in East Tennessee is just so high. You know, we're, we're huge outdoor people. We love to hike and bike ride. Me and my wife are still big snowboarders. Our whole family are big snowboarders. Just this area, we, we've fallen in love with, fallen in love with the people. And Maryville College is a special place that still has not reached its potential. We still like, we feel like it's still got tons of room to go. And say, so saying that, uh, some of the accolades that you've accrued, you've, you've been here nearly 33 years, 16 NCAA tournament appearances, you won the USA South tournament titles in 2014 and 2019 with the women, 2016 and 2018 with the men. You rank in the top 10 in Division Three men's soccer history in wins with 403 and a 688 winning percentage. You're 16th all-time in wins uh, for women's soccer history in Division Three with 376. I'm sure looking to hit that magical number 400 in the next two, two seasons. 713 winning percentage for the women. You've been inducted into both the Tennessee Wesleyan and Maryville College Hall of Fames. So my question is, after such a long-storied career, what drives you every day to keep going and to think the best is yet to come? You know, it's just fun. You know, I look forward to every single fall. And one of the most exciting times of the year for me, and I think one of the most exciting times that any parent will have, any kid will have that goes to college, is that experience of showing up in the fall and the newness of college. 
and you add college soccer to that. I'm so glad we, we, we unfortunately got to experience college soccer in the spring during the pandemic. And, and I'm so glad we're a fall sport because it's such a great time of the year. And, and, and every year brings something new. Our kids, watching them grow, watching them change, watching them develop as people and players, it's just a fun job. I, I always say, and people always make fun of me, you know, I always say, um, I'm, I'm going into school. I'm going to the field. I, I never say I'm going to work because I don't feel like I'm going to work. That's awesome. So you've had some notable seasons here from 2017 to 21. You didn't lose a single game in conference play on the women's side. Last season with the men's team, you lost only three games. What are some of your favorite memories of coaching here at Marvel College? Oh, gosh, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I've been lucky. I've had six nieces, nieces and nephews go to school here, so I've got to coach two of my nieces and nephews. I've got to coach both of my sons. So th- those are probably some of the special memories. You know, when we won the conference championship, my, my, my youngest scored, and he was not a goal scorer. He was a worker. We had a very controversial goal in, in the conference final, scored on us. Chris steals a ball at midfield. He was a midfielder, too, and a more of a defensive midfielder. Steals at midfield, and he was just kind of upset about the goal, and he looked up the keepers out and scores a 60-yard goal to tie the game up. And winning that game and winning a conference championship with him was very special. But so many memories, it, it's hard to, to pick one. I mean, it's you, you've played in so many games. The things that, that have become very special to me, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Bill Elliott, who played for me and was assistant coach, he's the head coach at – West Florida, and was the head coach of Chattanooga FC for years until they went changed divisions. He went to the Hall of Fame, and he called me to come down to the Hall of Fame in Chattanooga. First soccer player ever to go in the Chattanooga Hall of Fame. Special moments like that. I get invited to kids' weddings, or they call and share that they're pregnant or their their wife is pregnant and share their memories with me. It becomes some very special moments to me that they think enough of me or think enough about me to include me because – uh, you know, we, 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 we try to give them hell out on the field and, and really push them hard and work them hard and be very honest with them. And the, the relationships that we've had over the years um, with the coaches, you know, just went through a, a week with Ryan Ratcliffe over at Bearden High School who played for us and he, who had an unbelievable season and played great in the state finals, but it was a dang soccer game and they lost 4-1 to one and it, they could have won 4-1. to one. So, so, so those kind of relationships, I, I, I think if I had to say one thing, the relationships that we have are, are the things that, just so special to me. Okay, so some listeners may not be familiar with Maribel College. Uh, so when the one Knoxville schedule was announced with four home games happening just a few hundred feet from where we're sitting right now, some people were surprised. Others had questions about why a club representing Knoxville would be playing here in Blount County. I know from that interview we did back in 2015, there's a rich history here uh, many people are not aware of, including some famous knights uh, competing behind the chicken wire at the barn, uh, <laughs> which you once told me all about. Can you tell me about the role you and this college have played supporting soccer in the Knoxville and East Tennessee community? Yeah, you know, th- there's been so many people have done over the done it over the years uh, that have supported soccer even long before I got here, obviously. But but I feel like Maryville College has played a good, very good role in it. Uh, you know, we, we, we hosted indoor tournaments when nobody was, was, was doing that, like we said, and the old barn and the chick with the chicken wire up, which I would be in jail now getting sued if we played in a place like that. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. You know, we, uh, I've been fortunate enough to play with some of the, you know, the, the semi-professional teams and coach with them, the Impact, the Knoxville Force. And I feel like we've had great relationships with all the clubs. 
uh, with Blunt United, with FC Alliance, Derek when he was over at, at Emerald and now with the Wolves and the Crush. Uh, you know, my boys have come through those programs. Again, I go back to relationships. I think we've had good relationships. And I think Maryville has always been a place where top local kids can come and play and get a fabulous education. Unfortunately, a well-kept secret in some ways outside the soccer community how fantastic the education is here, the high quality of soccer players. I mean, you've seen it. We, we get some of the best players. We've got Timmy Baker, All-American Caleb Lucas, Ryan Radcliffe, who's at Beard. And I mean, I could go on and on about the fabulous players on both sides. We've got Katie O'Brien on the team now from Oak Ridge, who is a phenomenal player. Haley Cart, who should, could play most Division One schools in the country. So that 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 is, you know, it, one, it makes it a lot of fun. But, but two, I think it's – one of the, the biggest things that we offer is a great place for local kids to come and play soccer. What they realize, a lot of the kids, oh, I want to go to the beach when they graduate from high school. Oh, I'd like to go five hours away. But then they get here and they realize, oh, my gosh, my friends come and watch me play here at Maryville. Uh, I've got UT right up the road. I'm still close to the mountains. My parents can come and watch games. And our local kids are amongst our happiest. So some of the players that you've coached throughout the years, I didn't even put this together, uh, Pepe, but back in 2014 when I was covering the team, that was the Timmy Baker years on the men's side. Then you had a striker, Sierra Siegel, who was outstanding. A couple of local players who I play with now in the Dick's House of Sport League, Allie Hale and, and Mandy Marshall. I actually think I was on a team with Allie Hale, played outdoor soccer a couple of years ago in the over 30, over 30 men's division. I think, I think the women could be a little younger. Um, so uh, you have a ton of players that are still in the area, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned those kids, and they're, they're just – it's like they were here yesterday. But one of the things we're really proud of, it seems like our kids just continue to play after. A lot of kids will get out of college soccer and they're like, oh, I didn't like this, didn't like that, don't want to play soccer anymore. And our kids are so involved in the local leagues. Allie Hale, phenomenal player, played the whole flank for us, was on, you know, two or three NCAA tournament teams. Manny Marshall was a great goalkeeper at, at William Blunt, came here and had a fabulous career. One year she played, was a starting goalkeeper and was the leading scorer too for William Blunt. Uh, Sierra Siegel, who we talked about. Uh, Timmy Baker, what a tremendous player he was. You know, he was he was phenomenal for the Knoxville Force. And then, you know, we had the the, the, the really the All American combination with with him, Timmy and um, and Caleb Lucas. Caleb was a two time All American, led the nation scorer. Uh, those those two teams were national teams of the month a couple times. Timmy and Caleb were national players of the month. Uh, so again, great local players that play at a very high level that made coaching very easy. <laughs> And, and like you said, you've also you've maintained close relationships with the youth clubs, uh, which is really important for the soccer ecosystem here. For some of those early predecessors to One Knoxville, and so you talked about the impact who I know was the the indoor semi-pro team from the '90s, and then the Knoxville Force, which was our predecessor played in the NPSL. And so you've you've been around the block here outside of college soccer too, right? Right, right. You know the, the, those those Knoxville Impact days, the old soccer house was the first place that had indoor soccer other than our alumni gym. And, you know, like I'm sure a lot of players that are in their 20s and 30s, you know, you could go over there at 5 o'clock and play a game every hour, usually jump in with somebody and play and, and jump on a team and play. Brian Donnelly and the Shidings ran that. And it was so much fun. And then the impact, the whole place would be – it wasn't a huge place, but it would be absolutely packed with soccer fans. And uh, getting to play, we, we were always the second-best team. Atlanta was phenomenal. There was one of my former players that played for Atlanta, and they had a lot of 
former pros and, and even national team players on it. But the Knoxville team, you know, we made it all the way to the Final Four a couple times with them and uh, got to coach them. And it, it's crazy. They still have a reunion every year in the mountains with the Knoxville Impact guys. The force years were, were so much fun, especially the first couple years, just some of the, the relationships and the players I got to coach with the force. Uh, I, I learned pretty quickly, you know, the girls that played at UT and Duke and Georgia, you know, those Division One girls that we brought in. One, they were great players, but they could really flip the switch when they wanted to. You know, they they would come in. They're like, oh, I just want to play for the summer league. And, you know, we kind of we tried to keep things laid back. When it was time to flip the switch and turn it on, they all had a different mentality and a different gear. And we were lucky enough to have a couple of Maribel players play on that team. It was a fun time. We played in some in front of some really good crowds and had some great experiences. And my son at the time was playing with the men's force, and so it was fun to watch him. And you know, it was a good springboard for you know what Knoxville One has going now, and you know, and I think they're taking it to a whole nother level. And I know I'm crossing my fingers that in a couple of seasons we'll get a W League team, which is the the new women's amateur soccer league run by the USL. Here in Knoxville, I got a two-year-old daughter, and I'm trying to, you know, prime mm-hmm. her for the national team, and so get her a little bit of experience <laughs> with the one Knoxville women. You know, I'm sure they'll give you a call when they're ready for that, Peppy. Uh, uh, there you go. It's 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 a lot of fun, and on, on the Knoxville side, uh, you know, the venue is always a challenge, and uh, but but you know, we we played in front of a couple thousand people with the women's team. My son played in front of six or seven thousand people in Chattanooga, which you know how they got it going down there. You know, I always thought my dad was a pioneer in soccer. I still think we're still a little bit of pioneers, and and, and, and you know, ten, fifteen years from now, there'll be tons of people showing up for all different levels of soccer. So you talked about venue and venues being a challenge. We know there's going to be four one Knoxville games here at Maryville College. What kind of reception should one Knoxville players and fans expect when they show up here for the first time, the first home game on June 18th against Peachtree City? Well, you know, I think the reception should be fantastic. On this campus, one, our field is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful venues in the world to play soccer. You're overlooking the Smokies. It's very family friendly. And we've just added Tacoma grass, Bermuda grass, that UT developed. So that's brand new. We just put a brand new drainage system in it. So it could rain three inches that day and you can walk out and play on that field. Brand new lighting system, brand new fence. We are right now, if anybody wants to make a donation while they're here, we are about halfway into building a 27,000 square foot building right next to the field. Locker rooms, field house, study lounge for the students overlooking the mountains. A real exciting area to watch soccer. Maryville campus is very family friendly. The kids can get down there and uh, feel real comfortable about just kind of, you know, walking around and watching the game at the same time. I, I, th- I think it's going to be a special experience for them. All right. So you've obviously dedicated your life to this game. A lot of us, me included, can't imagine our lives without it. The more than 40 years you've been coaching and playing competitive soccer, what have you uncovered about the game that makes it so special? I think there's a couple things. One, it's not fair. <laughs> so it's like life. You know, we all saw it in Champions League. We saw how Real Madrid played the other day and how Liverpool played the other day. And, and, and you saw the result. Um, you know, you can give it your all. You can do your best. So, so, so I think it really reflects life. And, and I like that it's an opposite game. you got to have the speed of a sprinter, but you got to have the endurance of a marathon runner. You know, you've you got to have the heart and the courage of a boxer but then you got to have the you know the, the the touch of the most delicate sports in order to control the ball. So all those opposites really appeal to me. Probably the overwhelming thing that appeals to me most 
is the community that it brings. And what I learned in the first league uh, that I played in as a semi-adult, as a 14-year-old, not my youth league, is, man, we're playing with all these international people, and it was brutal. (laughs) It was brutal. And they didn't care whether you were 14 or 16, and people – you know, there were a lot of fights back then. You really didn't even get a red card for a fight. There was, you know, cleats up tackles, all this. And the league was so tough, and you had to be tough to play in it. But then everybody was friends afterwards. I'm still friends with guys on the other teams that played in that league and just the community that built. At the end of the year, we'd have a huge party, and everybody got together, all the teams, and it, it, it was a lot of fun. So, so I think that community that it builds and the relationship it builds are the most important things that, that, that soccer brings to the table. My final question for you, one that we've asked everybody we've talked to, uh, Patty and I believe that Knoxville is, is a soccer town. We've tried to make the case throughout the history of the podcast that it is. So what do you think, Pepe? Do you think Knoxville is a soccer town? Knoxville is a soccer town. My, my grandson and my son are diehard UT football fans, and it's always going to be that. But I think everybody underestimates the soccer culture And I think from this point, it looks like, one, Knox has the infrastructure on the administrative level to get this moving. Once they have the the permanent venue that they can play in, I think it's it's going to knock the socks off of the Knoxville area with attendance, with the excitement for it, because it's there anyway. I mean, we get great crowds at Maryville College games. You go to watch a Beard and Farragut game, and you try to tell me Knoxville's not a – a soccer town, you're wrong. Nobody gets turnouts like that for high school soccer in the country. The involvement of the club parents. We've got great clubs all over town and thousands and thousands of kids playing at every level. Uh, So the answer to your question, yes, it's a soccer town. We need to get the word out there more. We need to help build professional level team. I believe it's going to be a Division I team next year. As that builds, I think it's just going to build excitement and people get more and more excited about it and Maybe they'll be an MLS team here one day.